You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mino Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, Carpe Diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. Yes. Nothing happens. You may say, this is what I need to do. This is what I should do, blah, blah, blah. She's not inspired. You're not going anywhere. If he is too tired to move, nothing is happening. You know, she may be, I'm giving you all these ideas and why aren't you acting on it? Because he's tired. He's tired too. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Marcia Cole, co-founder of Fourth Phase Box. And before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and your reviews mean so much. Please give us five stars, a great rating, and keep listening. All right, everyone. Marcia is the co-founder of Fourth Phase Box. She is a serial entrepreneur with expertise in bringing brands to market, content creation, creative direction, event curation, and product development. She loves bringing new ideas to fruition. As a staunch advocate for personal, emotional, and spiritual development, she has coached over 300 professionals seeking to live a life by design. Four years ago, she created a 501c3 nonprofit called Passion Meets Purpose, or PMP, which provides both men and women in shelters access to mind-shifting life coaching, sanitary products, and beauty and grooming services to help them transition out of shelters. Before joining Fourth Phase and founding PMP, she was known as an editor and marketing agency owner who developed multi-million dollar revenue-generating opportunities and audience-building partnerships for targeted markets. For more than 20 years, she worked for some of the biggest media brands in the country, holding executive level positions at AOL, Time Inc., Essence, Latin Media Ventures, Fairchild Publications, and Vanguard Media. Her freelance articles about beauty, hair, health, and entertainment have appeared in the New York Times, the New York Post, Elle, In Style Weddings, Essence, Heart and Soul, and Vibe Magazine. She was a recipient of the MEG grant from New York Women in Communications, named Woman of the Year by Golden Shears Awards for her commitment to the success of the beauty industry, received the Young, Gifted, and Black Award for Entrepreneurship, and Jam Packed gave her the CHIC Charitable, Hopeful, Impactful, Classy Award for Outstanding Contribution to Professional Excellence and her commitment to philanthropy. Marcia, welcome to Business of the Beat. I am so honored to have you on the show today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
I am super excited to be here and honored that you asked me to be here. So um, yeah, I can't wait for this conversation. It's going to be amazing. Well, it's so fascinating when I look at the different women in my life and how we have all been on this journey, right? And how collectively we've supported each other. And you, I mean, before I was doing so many things, you were really one of the first people to have my back, to recommend me. And for those of you who don't know, when Marcia was the um, the editor, she was an editor at Essence, amongst other things, but she recommended me for the 2011 Power Impact Women list um, in Essence Magazine. And this was literally my first, like, big magazine publication and Michelle Obama was on the cover. And I just, it had such a monumental impact in my life and my career. And I just thank you. I thank you for that being 10 years ago and for us being back here with all of our success, but being grounded in kind of where I started, where I came from and you really being the catalyst for that. So I just thank you. Oh my God. So it's so funny, you know, those types of things happen when you're in the room, right? Because if I wasn't in the room and as they were discussing people to highlight and I, you know, when you and I sat down at dinner, which was like months ago and you told me the idea, I was like, oh my God, this is a genius idea, right? And you were the first one. So you're a pioneer in this space. So to me, that was a no brainer, like as they were thinking about people and sometimes it was, just, you know, the same names and, you know, all of those things. I was like, no, uh, Kendra Bracken Ferguson, <laughs> she created this company and they're like the pioneers in the space of influencer marketing and da 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 and all this stuff. And, you know, and that was all like a no brainer to me. But it definitely wouldn't have happened if I wasn't in the room, you know, to to be able to to champion you. And it's like, that's what you want people to recognize what you've done and to be able to speak about you in rooms that you don't have access to it at that moment. So thinking about like how the impact that then it would have on you later on, that wasn't even a thought. It was just like, she needs to be in this space <laughs> when you're talking about <laughs> innovators, like, because this was such a genius concept and it was right on market, right on time. And you were the first. And I love people being the first. <laughs> so. I mean, and I appreciate that. And there's so much there that I want to come back to because you talk about championship, you talk about access, and that's really what we have to do and where we are now. So before we get into all of the goodies, like, let's talk about you. Tell me about your journey. I mean, it spans industries and geographies and nonprofits and for-profits and corporate. So tell us all about um, your, your journey. My God, how far back do you want to go? You know, 30 something years, right? 30 something years in in media. Um, My background is really launching or relaunching media properties. Um, You know, so taking something from ideation to bringing it straight to market. Worked on several different magazines. Um, The last print edition was Suede. I was one of the founding editors of Suede magazine which was a joint venture between Time Inc. and, um, and Essence. And, um, and so I was a deputy editor, Lifestyle. And, um, and we created in that short window, we were able to really create impact in the industry of just showcasing women of color in their, in their true regalia, right? Um, the, the idea and the concept was to really prevent or really put out a very high-end magazine, which at time we really had not had in the space of fashion that occupied the space of fashion and beauty. And so 
I was responsible for the voice of the magazine, uh, entertainment, the covers, um, the look and feel, and and, um, and working with the editor in chief, um, who was Suzanne, um, and she was actually one of she's actually one of my best my best editors that I've ever worked with. Um, and so because um, she was super creative and, and you know, and she created the space for you to be super creative. And so, you know, my ideas were never like shot down um, or anything that I wanted to do. And of course, she would come in and ask me to do the impossible and, and you know, like the I'll, I'll just, I won't get into that story, but. <laughs> but did the impossible and you like, did it. I was like, can you do this at the last minute and make, you know, 25 people be able to go to Fiji? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so, so um, but fun times, um, really worked with some very creative people and love that. And then made the transition, which was my second transition, into digital after Suede folded. So Essence and Time Inc. decided to fold the publication. At the time, then after experiencing that, there really wasn't any opportunities that were readily available on publications that I actually wanted to work with after being at, uh, you know, such a such a dynamic yes. and creative space, right? You could, it was hard to go back to like any kind of cookie cutter, you know, this is how we do front of the book, this is how we do, you know, this thing. And, um, and so I opted to just wait, um, you know, for a minute, um, I began freelancing and, um, and I had an idea, which is an idea that I had from before. And I'm a serial kind of entrepreneur. And so I come up with ideas all the time. And so um, I had an idea about, and this was a long, this was a long dream of mine, right? Because prior to Essence, I mean, I just kind of jumped forward, but prior to Essence, I had worked previously as the executive editor for Heart and Soul. So in a health magazine, so covered the health industry, um, health and wellness. Um, prior to that, I was the executive editor for Girl, which was in a teen um, teen fashion and beauty magazine for for girls of color. Prior to that, I was the editor for the hair care magazine. So my, I began my journey with that. And then prior to that, so back in 1988, um, when, this is when I started out of college, um, I was the assistant editor for a little magazine that uh, was name dropped by Biggie Smalls called Word Up. And um, I was the assistant editor uh, for a woman named Jerry Summers. And um, and I, that began my journey into publications. But prior to that, I have a, I have a bachelor's in fine arts from Parsons School of Design. So I, I began as an artist. I knew I wanted to work in magazines. I was, I was more graphic oriented um, with my illustrations that I did. And um, but I thought I would come in from the art side. I always knew how to write, but never, ever in my uh, thoughts and in any kind of uh, school uh, counselor say, hey, you can, you know, pursue writing as a career because, you know, anything of the arts back then, the 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 mantra around it was starving artists was not successful artists. And the right, you know, in six in and the, I think the 80s. Um, is many things that was going on within that, but hip hop ushered in that entire space, ushered in um, the the growth and the expansion of what that meant, right? So writers who knew the genre would now be able to write about it and explain it in in you know publications like the New York Times. So that's how Torre you know was able to do so, um, create the space in in the Village Voice, New York Village Voice, which was then like a, a premier, like just um, <laughs> robust um, journalistic 
paper, right? And so those are spaces where um, a Joan Morgan, uh, you know, a Scott Polson Bryant, they're, they're, where they're able to like really hone their chops as writers and as, you know, new fresh minted graduates from school who from colleges that that elite colleges but they also knew the genre and they could speak about it right and so hip-hop created um you know an, ex- an expansion for this entire um everyone within my peers for it to be able to actually um, come up in this space as writers and to actually um, find find their niche as writers because it wouldn't have existed without that concurrent pop culture um, you know machine that that was you know growing wider and wider and went from a small quote unquote around the way niche to um, <laughs> to you know massive global domination right. <clears throat> And so as much as it has its own, you know, deterrent things, but it really, it ushered the space for black and brown people to be able to give voice to what that experience was about. And so, um, and so, so I came in at the, you know, as I I'll say to people at the dawn of hip hop, covering it in a space, what was called a fanzines. And those fanzines were a small, you know, word up was a fanzine. It had the posters, uh-huh. it had a thing, but it was run by journalists. And, um, but I, so I learned how to, you know, be a journalist um, there. Um, and I think my first year I entered a British Vogue writing competition and came in third um, and it was an international competition. And so that, that was the, the, the little pat on the back that said, Hey kid, you know, you're, you're going in the right direction, keep going. And, um, you know, and I went there and met the editors and, uh, you know, at British Vogue and, and because I, I, you know, I was at Parsons and we, that was all a part of what I was doing. And then from, the, from working on Word Up, then I was at the age of 26, I became edit, editor in chief of the hair care magazine, which was a spinoff from, from inside of Word Up. And so I was able to then to bring like my, my understanding of beauty and fashion and, you know, uh, to, through the lens of, of, music, right? Because the, 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 the hair care book yeah. was really about um, the artists and celebrities and, you know, and all of that stuff. And so we had great fun. I mean, those are spaces where like we photographed and put on a cover, put Lauren Hill on the cover. It was the first cover she ever had. I had launched like three magazines under that small publisher um, with myself and one assistant. One was called Braids and Beauty, and it was the first natural <laughs> hair care magazine that existed. Um, so before there was a full on natural hair movement with, you know, your, your textures, your coils, the natural hair movement was about um, braids and locks, right? And so that was it first. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so as because that was growing, um, like our first cover was Brandy and, um, and, you know, it was at the height (laughs) of her because I, because she had braids and, um, and it was so many things happened during that. I worked there for three years. I was the editor in chief and we did amazing work. Like the photo shoots we did with Brandy became her album cover that um, Brownstone, their, their singles were photo, you know, the images that are used, they, they would end up liking the photos that we took. Again, this, again, this little tiny magazine, <laughs> but, and they paid, you know, huge budgets for, you know, their photography, but the, what we did with the styling and the lighting and, um, and just the imagery, they, and everyone ended up liking it. So it would like, it would be a consistent thing that happened. We would take these, you know, photos for the magazine and then I'd get a call. So, you know, we really, <laughs> like these pictures can we purchase the you know these photos and even recently like i have a a, a book that it's a photography book that we're working on and we've been working on it for for 
like over a decade now, so it's taking forever. Um, but um, it, it's a book about Afros. And I work with this photographer, Hosea Johnson. He's the one that I've worked with for a really long time. And we shot, uh, we shot a celebrity. We like redid our whole thing, um, you know, with our hair. And the same thing happened. And I was just like, okay, this happens every single time. <laughs> they literally, you know, after giving us a, a, you know, like, you know, oh, I'm not so sure about the direction. And then they came in and like, you know what? We really like these pictures. Can we buy them mm-hmm. to actually debut this artist? And so, so mommy, that you know, that Parsons School Design education that you paid for, you know, it just <laughs> it, it works. It, it still works. works. So, but so it's like it all so comes together. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I you know, it's so interesting because it's hard to foresee what's going to come whenever you're in the moment doing something. So to your point, you're at Parsons, you're in this art school. And who knew that that background is what would fuse the worlds of music, beauty, wellness, and culture, really. And your ability to look through the lens of creative artist direction and then couple that with the output of writing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing. And it's such an important skill set to be able to tell stories through the lens. And even when you talk about the blending of cultures, like I I had no idea when you talk about hip hop kind of giving way Mm -hmm. to all of these things and to giving black and brown writers a voice, like Mm -hmm. that truly was the catalyst. We had something so personal to us that we could then express through the written word and turn that into the new forms of art. I mean, yeah, Marcia, that's <laughs> like that is, right. that, that's deep. And yeah. how you know it's interesting because I always see you through the lens of beauty, wellness, health, right? And you talk about these hip hop days. So as you were transitioning, like what was that transition? Because you're an editor in chief, you're launching new magazines. I was at the Suede launch party. I don't know if you remember, but I was there. <laughs> um, so how how was that transition from an editor? into your own agency and now into products? Well, you know, um, I think that it, you know, everything just fueled, it really just fueled the other, you know, um, having worked, like I said, you know, when you're an editor, you start with a concept and you pull concepts from various resources and various places. You, you are, you are an observer of culture. You are observer of trends and then it's your job to then to present that to the masses. And so um, I'm in, influenced by so many different things. And then you know how to present. And then at, at that point, when I launched Ivy Digital, uh, after launching um, Amber Mag, because the, this is what happened. Yes. Suede, yes, if we go back. So Suede folded. I took a break. Um and um, and then I started working on the business plan of what would have been a um, a beauty magazine targeting women of color. So I wanted to create a black version of Allure, like something more high end um, that really spoke to our beauty because there were so many things that were happening in the beauty space at that time, which did not um, did not create this very wide breadth that we have today of acceptance, right? Amongst our own. We didn't have 
um, we weren't seeing the acceptance of African beauty and um, and African various stages of African beauty. So we, someone from yes, um, uh, Ethiopia, absolutely, we were we were possibly accepting someone from Sudan with um, with you know more broad features. We weren't accepting as you know them being a part of us, and so which is something that came out of focus groups that we were doing in Suede, where. Um, before before it be, actually became said, they were looking at images and 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 we had you know young black women looking at the images and they were like I don't want to see and the comment was I don't want to see these models anymore because they don't look like us and they were referring to um, an African look an African model right and so um, so this entire like. Um, uh, body positivity, you know, mm-hmm. face like we did, that didn't exist in, um, you know, in the in the early aughts, right? It really didn't, and it was it was something else that shifted. And I feel like the hair care, the natural hair care movement, helped to shift that because there was a once you once you can accept yourself and love yourself, that's how you now see other people. But when you don't do that, you you see. Everything that you believe is flawed in yourself, you project it onto others, right? And so um, there was Suede, then um, I worked at an agency. I worked at an ad agency, which was my first time working at an agency. I was like, oh my God, I should have been doing this for forever, (laughs) right? And so we worked on all of the L'Oreal accounts, um, you know, uh, Evian, um, Aer Lingus. um, And so like, so it's a a cross-section, Mount Gabriel is a cross-section of brands, but I was primarily on all of the L'Oreal accounts. And so, and so we created content with them. And so it was a, is a wonderful job that paid really, really well. And, (laughs) (laughs) and I only worked there four days out of the week. And so I began working on um, the business plan for um, what we, what would become Amber Mag. And when I started doing the business plan, I realized that um, the research showed that how Digital was really, really increasing and print was declining. And so the advertising and the advertising was leading the way this time. So this was my second time at launching a magazine. The first time was back in like 1999 or 98 or something like that. And um, and I'd launched a, a trade publication called Inside Salon. Again, for multicultural people, yes. and um, and then, but the same thing was that that happened there. I, like I put out a prototype, but people were, and I had you know the idea to do an, an online version of it, but people were interested in in the online version than than the yes. print version, and so I just moved everything you know to print. But back then, it was you know the wild wild west of digital. No one knew what the <laughs> hell they were doing. Everyone was figuring it themselves out, um, and the you know uh, print. Uh, the, a content, a robust content space, um, still hadn't been like you know part of the masses. the The good thing that that worked for me was like six months after I launched InsideSalon.com, um, Sephora launched. Um, there was another, there was another beauty, beauty counter. Right. And so, but they were, they were commerce based and then, you know, uh, content second, right. So commerce first and content Mm -hmm. second. And so my plan was to always do commerce. Um, and I wanted to do content first to like build, but you know, best laid plans, you know, the, there was internet boom and then there was internet bust. And so everybody (laughs) went back to print. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but, you know, I was part of like that early, you know, the early stage, early yes. adopter and early embracer of the technology. And I knew that it wasn't going to disappear. And I, and I knew that the, the next generation, this is what they were going to be used to. But it was going to just end up being when everything, the dust settled, it was going to be, you know, well, where were they going to go once, you know, right. this next gen wave of generation, um, you know, come around, which, you know, that shift is happening every three to five years. Right. And yes. so where things will, will, there will be a complete shift in how um, people view things, how people experience things and, and what they would want. And if you are not on the, the front end of that and seeing it by the, with the college students or your high schoolers, or, you know, yes. you always have to keep young people around you. So you know what's going on and and know and know how they experience the world, right? And so you can adopt it to the different things that that that's happening. And so um so when I did, I launched Amber Mag. Um yeah, when I saw that in the data, I shifted everything to make it a digital platform and I said, "Okay, well, this is great because advertisers are leading this charge now versus the, you know, versus the entrepreneurs leading the charge and hoping the and trying to drag the advertisers to you know, um, to the forefront. <laughs> the yeah. And so, right. Right. Like, you know, so that's what it was in the, in the early days. And so, so I was like, okay, um, we did all, you know, had all this research, you know, around it and it made and created this uh, platform. And it was, we were the first, it wasn't a blog and blogs were just really starting to take off at that time. And so of course, you know, as a former editor, People had, you know, you know, we were always like, well, I'm not a blog. I'm the, you know, <laughs> thing because <laughs> blogs were so just opinionated, um, were opinion based, which is still fine, right? Um, but uh, standard journalism is it was not you being at the center of the story. It, it is multiple voices, and you're being backed up by research and and um, and fact checking and and you know all of those yeah. things. It was really built out. Um, I had Iman came on board as a as an advisor, um, so I built up like all of the you know beauty and wellness advisors, mm -hmm. and who would then do different things. She she uh, chose us to like to um, to break the story of her agreement and her partnership with with uh, HSN when she launched mm -hmm. Iman Global, and so mm -hmm. she gave us the exclusive for that. And so you know that support, right? That support in like yes. okay, when I you know had lunch with her and say you know this is what I'm doing. And I showed her and um, and then she supported, you know, the next day and said, you know, uh, give them some money. Right. And so yes. I was like, you know, I'll never, ever forget that for as long as I live. It's so funny because sometimes I, I during during the time while I was doing Amber Mag, which I did for like um, AmberMag.com, which I did for five years. Yes. It was so yes. intense. I was managing both content and sponsorship at the end. Mm -hmm. And so I was burning myself out completely. You know, and one of the things I, you know, I, I learned later about myself within it and someone who's been like, work, 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 work. I was just like, wow, I never took the time ever in those five years to congratulate myself and that I actually did this. And I never said, good job, Marcia, right? Like you took an idea, which was completely yours, and you funded it, you launched it, and you put it out to market to the point where your brand was being discussed in meetings with yes. the more established brands in comparison to like, as they're saying, well, Amber Mag is doing this. And I'm like, yes. we're like one person. Yes. <laughs> Amber Mag is doing this. We should be doing, you know, so-and-so. Uh -huh. And so, um, and so that, 
you know, I can completely attribute that to my heritage <laughs> of yeah. like, you know, I'm, I'm from the islands. I'm from originally from Jamaica. And it's like, we just work. You're expected to just do what you're supposed to do. And no one is supposed to congratulate you to say good job. <laughs> and, um, and don't, ex- you know, it's like, don't expect what, what was that line in, in um, Boys in the Hood where oh. Al- uh, Angela Bassett says, to, yes. <laughs> says, it's like, don't expect applause for doing what you're supposed to do. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne, when they're having dinner, and he's yes. like, well, I'm like a great dad. And she's like, uh-huh. you're supposed to be doing that. <laughs> that is so, so true. So, yes. yeah. So learn that much later, though, you know, well after the fact is like, you need to like take the time to say, you know, for yourself, mm-hmm. good job, because you are working us to the bone, ma'am. Yes. <laughs> and you need to know. Hello, you can need we get it. some recognition? <laughs> you're right. I you're, feel like you're, this generation is all about the yes. congratulations. So it's yes. it's good to hear you talk about it because it's reaffirming. And we have we're working so hard and we have to take care of ourselves. And I think that even as we talk about kind of your pivot, that affirmation, congratulating yourself, how that plays into our overall journey as entrepreneurs. And there's there's, there's two things that you said that I want to touch on. And I think when we think about the time, the commitment, the sacrifices, the finances, you mentioned the financial support as well as the advisory support from Amon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to congratulate you. You're, we have to get into fourth phase because you were just named the 2021 Glossier grant winner for yes. their Black Owned Business Program. And I mean, Marcia, to, as you're talking, to think about the things that you've seen, 1988, being this editor, <laughs> being an editor-in-chief by the time you're 26, and then to be here and now and to have something so special as fourth phase and to mm-hmm. be able to say financial support, advisory support, and to be the recipient of this award. I know there was hundred. I mean, the applications, the process, and you won it. And it's a testament to the hard work. So, so talk about how you transitioned into fourth phase and what that looks like in this entrepreneurial journey. Because of course, like I was part of Amber Mag, I remember, and the tenets of that are similar. You have not changed in terms of your ethos, your mission, who you support, Mm -hmm. but you have moved that into the space of something that we truly need so much right now. Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, thank you for the congratulations. Um, Fourth phase, was such um, an unexpected, beautiful surprise, right? That that came um, to me. Um, this was not my idea. I'm not a mom, and so it was my friend Nana, who we actually worked together, you know, previously. Like she was my assistant at one point, and um, the two years prior, we we you know got together because she had a nonprofit called African Health Now. And she had been bringing um, health fairs into Ghana for the past twelve years, and one of and, and one component of that is that they support a, a maternal clinic in Ghana. Um, and so uh, she created the idea. She came up with the idea about fourth phase as a way to support the boxes that they were that they created, which is the called the maternal go box um, that they they're giving that they give to moms in in Ghana. And so, but she wanted a for profit business that would actually support it. So built in 
into into the DNA of Fourth Phase is that we are a public benefit corporation, and so that means that autumn, from the jump, it's not just about us um, making money, but it's about how we can make impact with the money that we create in every in every product that is created. And so I was just helping a friend. Um, and so like the, um, you know, during the pandemic in 2020, um, you know, uh, I, I, I did a check-in call with her. Um, I had just finished like an online uh, virtual fundraiser that I did for hairstylists because they're always a part of like whatever I do. And um, and because people were saying they should go back and the industry was hit so hard. So I, I put together like this ended up being a two day uh, uh, conference, for, you know, for them to basically expand their their thinking about other ways that they can make money. And so she kind of helped me with that. And I was like, hey, we circle back. It's like, what's happening with that project? Because two years prior, we did a whiteboard session with all of our various projects and just being able wow. to. Um, come together and say that, okay, well, this is how we can eat both like connect our dots better because, you know, when you're so close to it, you don't always see what you need to do and you need to be able to just bounce the ideas off of someone else who can then be able to say, well, you need, you know, do this, 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 this. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, we're all like, you you have everything that's here. You just need to, you know, maneuver a little bit better. Right. And so it was a check-in and at that point, like a year later, I relocated to Arizona and I was like, well, what's happening with that project? And she was like, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of stuck. I was, I was like, the website. And I was like, oh, why didn't you call me? Like, you know, this is what I do with, with Ivy Digital. And uh, she goes, I don't know. Um, and so I was like, all right, well, you know what? We had at that point, we had not worked on a Shopify platform before. And I was really just rethinking how I was moving forward with the agency. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll work on it for you. And, um, and it'll just be a great case study. You know, I'll give you the super duper friends and family rate, (laughs) whatever it is you have, you know, I'll make it work. And, um, and then I started working on it. So we first, it was, it first started just as me doing the website and, um, and bringing what the idea that she had for the website to, you know, to fruition. And then, and then the project kept pulling me and pulling me. And so I was working on it when I wasn't supposed to be working on it. And, <laughs> and, um, and so it, it be, you know, became more expansive, um, that I came up with how the approach to the photography on the website with black and white. So everything is very intentional around it. She had the logo, she had a palette and, um, and, and kind of that was it. And so, so then we expanded the, the whole thing. And, um, and then she was, she was asked to participate in, a, a pitch session and, um, you know, to pitch fourth phase by someone who was already familiar with it and what she was doing. And so she told me what, so this is why we were putting together the website. And I was like, well, let me see that deck. Yes. <laughs> and so, and so because I've put pitch decks together, I know what, what's going to be needed. You know, we worked. So then we, I stopped working on the website, reworked the, the, the pitch deck. We went over like how she should present it and all these things. It was supposed to be for, 10k she walked out of there with a 30k commitment um and so and that gave the the real foundation to then you know to really work on fourth phase right Mm -hmm. because what she actually how she started and what it became are two complete different things it started with um with um with 
products made by other people. And we, mm-hmm. and because we now had that, that funding, we were able, I was like, it will be fiscally irresponsible for you not to go down the road for what it would really cost for us to create our own products, right? In every, you know, every area. And I was like, you know, it, we had these things and it expanded and grew and all that research and everything that happened over the course of nine months. So we did the focus groups with moms and doulas and OBGYNs. And, and so, and so I was working on her with working with her with all these things. And she asked me to be a partner and I initially, you know, balked. I said, I don't know if I'm going to do that. Um, and I was like, you know, and then, you know, but I, but I kept working on it. <laughs> and so we <laughs> joke now because I'm like, she goes, yeah, but I was like, yeah, well, we were friends and you now had friends with benefits. And so you were, you know, you're still getting <laughs> the benefit of it. So I just hadn't made the decision. And one of the reasons why I, I was hemming and hawing was um, I said, well, I don't fit the narrative because, you, you know, initially had that, you know, is this um, uh, created by moms for moms. I said, I've never been a mother. And um, and then I coached myself through that. I said, you know, men create lipstick, bras, pantyhose, <laughs> all kinds of things for women, and they are not the demographic. And so why would you, you know, um, deny yourself this opportunity when um, when it when it really does fit all the things that matter to you most? You know, um, the the well being, the um, the expansion, the growth, the care, the personalization, the understanding of not compromising your health and well-being as a woman for anything else, right? And these are the things, these are the principles that I stand on. It's like your your well-being must be non-negotiable. And that is the that is the space that we must strive to, that my mental well-being, my physical well-being, my spiritual well-being must no longer be negotiated. So when you find yourself yes. constantly putting the job before you meditate, before you exercise, before you, you know, all these things, you have made yourself a negotiable. A negotiable. You have basically told your, your inner child that you, are, you can be negotiated. And so understanding how valuable that understanding is, because when you really get that, you stop, you, there's the clear boundaries. The boundaries become very clear um, that, yeah, little Marcia must no longer, she can't be negotiated ever at no time, none. Did it take (laughs) you time to get there? Because you're also, you're a holistic killer and I see it in myself, right? Like we get to this place and it's like, I want to work hard, play hard, but what does that really mean? And am I lacking because I'm working hard, but I'm not playing as hard as I should and playing hard, meaning taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. And I love when I, when I was reading about your studying and you're doing Sun Tao philosophy and healing and sound therapy, yeah, like, yeah. how did you get to that place to this, to this moment to say, this is a non-negotiable for me? Well, when it be, when I negotiated myself to the ground and basically it was like, <laughs> motion mm-hmm. stop, right? Um, you need to do a full reset and, my spirit was really just um, not at ease. My spirit was not at ease. I was working myself to the bone and not creating the space for for me to to and my muse, right? So if mm-hmm. I'm a creative person, my the creative person needs space to relax. So learning that I needed and you know time to 
Take a breather after that big project. Say, great job that you did. Okay, there maybe there are some things you could do better, but no beat up around that, right? The coaching helped me through, through that entire uh, understanding and seeing myself in, in, in that particular way. Um, and then take giving myself the break. I didn't have to rush into the next project. I didn't have to like, you know, do so because it, it took so much out. It takes so much out of you, yes. right? To bring something to launch, to bring something to, you know, to a close, we need to be able to retreat. So you can't keep constantly like our, I, when, when I started understanding about feminine energy and masculine energy and divine feminine and ma- divine masculine and, you know, and, and how we all, we have both of them within us. The masculine yes. is the one that's going to do and work, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not about gender. That really is about the energetic force. The feminine is the one that is going to inspire and she can't be inspired. He's not going to get up and do the job if she is not inspired. (laughs) So it's like the, 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 the duality that is within you, if they are at odds, (laughs) nothing happens. Nothing happens. You may say, this is what I need to do. This is what I should do. Blah, blah, blah. She's not inspired. You're not going anywhere. If he is too tired to move, nothing is happening. You know, she may, I'm giving you all these ideas and why aren't you acting on it? Because he's tired. He's tired too. And there's no will. The seat of your will is all compromised. And all all because what? You didn't take a, um, you know, two days or one day to just really relax and maybe sleep all day because that's what the body needed, you know, to be, to rejuvenate that, that you won't, that you won't go out walking inside of nature to just to experience, you know, everything that's around you, see the beauty and be inspired by the flowers, the butterflies, the sun, the the grass, you know, that you're not walking on grass, you know, uh, walking in the grass with your bare foot to reground yourself because everyone's coming at you in five different directions because you won't take 10 minutes to, to, you know, listen to a sound bath because, you know, you won't give yourself, you won't, you won't take a half an hour to, to do a workout and, you know, that gets the endorphins going and, you know, all of those things, again, opening up and releasing the tension that's in the body because the body is not created to hold those things. And so, um, so it's like, you know, it took time to just really like, I know it, but now I have to practice it. It wasn't, again, it wasn't just, uh, you know, it wasn't just like, yeah, I know you should do all of those things. It was like, no chick. Yes. (laughs) This is what happened. happened. And the funny thing, you know, again, and just being aware of where, aware of like, what's happening at the time that it's happening. That's the whole presence, um, being really present to a moment, being really mindful of the moment so that you're really conscious of all the things that's going on. I remember when I was going through the coaching friend, it's like, oh, you know, exercise is a part of it. And I did a yoga session. I made the time, forced myself to make the time to actually do the yoga session. And then all of a sudden, it, it felt like like the the wind of time just went like, you know, just opened up. Now I had more energy to do the, to wow. write the article. Now mm-hmm. I had more energy to do, you know, so-and-so because <laughs> I yes. wasn't tight, tightly wound, out, wound up into the, you know, the pressure of what was actually happening. I created space for myself wow. and creating space for myself allowed then creativity to come through. 
right? Even one time I was doing a, um, I had volunteered to do a, a, I did a, I was writing a speech for Mary J. Blige for the New York Women in Communication, (laughs) right? Her acceptance speech. So I wrote that. It was like my first, I was like, oh, I could do that. And I was like, I've interviewed her multiple times. So I was like, I know her story. I can, you know, and I know, and I, same thing with, like she was, she was presenting for Queen Latifah because Queen Latifah was the winner. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so, but it wasn't coming together properly. And then they didn't want me to, it wasn't a time to actually interview her. So I had to do a write around. And so a friend of mine came into town and he was like, yeah, let's go see this play. And then let's go out to dinner. I was like, oh, I got to finish this story. He's like, let's go just go see this play. And yeah, like, just take went a out. second. Yes. Right. And so <laughs> went out, we went to see the play, had sushi, came back and boom, I could I hit it, went through it, wrote it. And then her, the person contact was just like, I cried reading this. This is wonderful. <laughs> you know? wow. yes. And um, Mary was like, this is a great speech. Thank you so much. And so, but it was, again, I took the, you know, just you taking practice the time. What you preached. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you can bend time, you know, in that way, when you actually make time for yourself, making time for yourself allows you to have the time for all these other things. And that was a, you know, crucial lesson. And it's been those lessons over, I'd say, really um, connected to those lessons, I, I would say, over the past, like, five to seven years that, that, that yeah. you know, and then implementing it, not just, you know, in practice and making it a practice, right? And, yeah. and, I, and it's taken, like, step by step. So meditation as a daily practice, mm-hmm. um, you know, and again, non-negotiable, um, you know, for at a particular time of day, this is the time I get up, this is what I do. Yeah. You know what, um, my partner, I'm like, don't call me because I'm meditating in the morning. And yes. like, I don't pick up the phone. I don't, you know, and she's, she's like, you know, I, again, I had to, I had to put a hard line in the sand and say, this is a non-negotiable for me. And then that's what I, that's what I help my, you know, my coaching clients, you know, to do is just like, you have to, you have to, you have to desire that right for yourself because no one can, no one can make that for you. Um, and you have to desire it. And, um, and you see how your, the life becomes a different, a, it's, it's a different walk when you recenter yourself Yes. In in yes. yourself, right? It's a different walk exactly. because now I now I can hear me. I can hear the God in me speaking to me. I think it's so important. Like there's so many conversations around mental health, mental well-being, and to your point, so much of it is making the time for ourselves and really listening. And I think that even looking at fourth phase, it's so important. And as you're talking, I think about how I've been able to say to my six-year-old, you know, and I get she's six. So it there's been all this time where it hasn't, but even just to say like, mommy's tired, I need to take a nap because we go, 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 go. And I think back to my own fourth trimester and having that support system and be, being able to say, I need a second, let me take a step right. back because there's so many changes and things that are happening. And it, it's all very much interconnected. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that really, and especially as I, you know, went further and further into the the um, historical context, um, what happened, you know, during the fourth trimester, how that's changed yes. over um, 
generations, um, how it's been commercialized, how um, women were marketed to in terms of, you know, the type of delivery that they would have, uh, that, you know, you know how C-sections were pushed and really marketed to them, how doulas were, doulas and midwives in the U.S. were basically excommunicated out of the process, which then again, they removed the feminine and, 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 and turned it into a completely medical um, procedure without the heart. And then the, the voice of women were lost. And so recognizing that, that that's why the death rate, the maternal death rate went up yes. so high and has been going up so high and, and even higher for our Black women in this country, when we're, the U.S. is literally ranked number 10 out of all the top 10 countries, you know, across the globe, which makes no sense, right? And so, but recognizing how much is not discussed about that time period, how much is not shared, um, and how much, how ill-prepared um new mothers are about what they will actually need during that time because everything is about the baby, which is, you know, all, it all makes sense, but it's like, no one told the mother that she's going to be, you know, bleeding profusely and that she would need to watch that and monitor that so that she's not, she's not hemorrhaging. No one told, no one tells the mother that um, she may end up with gestational diabetes after she gets gives birth. No one tells the mother that, you know what, um, those six weeks, if you've had a C-section or belly birth, you really can't do anything and that your entire core has been ruptured. No one tells the mother that, you know, she may experience, um, you know, her, her abdominal muscles separating and never fully coming back and that she would need pelvic floor therapy in order mm-hmm. to actually help that, right? The average woman doesn't know anything about pelvic floor therapy. The average black woman doesn't know anything about that, right? And mm-hmm. so, so understanding, like, oh my, my God, there's like there's a there's a huge uh, landscape of information that needs to just be digested. In addition to the products that we created, which were created to then um, address all of these concerns. That's why we have two boxes: the, uh, the belly birth box and the vaginal birth box. And so um, it's 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 an amazing um, you know space. Um, our our goal is to in, help mothers become as informed as possible, so they can yes. be prepared. Like it's not all um, doom and gloom, but it's like if you have the information, you will know what your options are, and so that you're not being caught off guard. You're not then going into a mental spiral because, you know, you may have had to have an emergency C-section versus a vaginal birth that you, that you planned. And, you know, it touches every single area of the, of the mother, her physical well-being, her mental well-being, her spiritual well-being, all of the emotional and mental, all of that is affected when she's, when, you know, during, during pregnancy and after she is given birth. And, and the most, vulnerable part for her is that moment when she goes into labor and then right after giving birth. And so that's the, that's the whole mission of, of fourth phase is to help mothers um, really heal, feel, and be heard during the fourth trimester. You know, it's, there's so much to what you said. And I think the education piece is paramount because there's so many things that you don't talk about that impact the mom, right? Right. And so you're going to get your checkups every single week. You're giving so much blood and everyone's, the baby's heartbeat and all of this. Mm -hmm. And even in my own experience, 
I had no idea what preeclampsia was. We never right. really talked about it. Like, right. and so when we went to that doctor's appointment, like literally the doctor was like, have you been seeing spots? And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't know. I just figured I was pregnant and I was the healthiest I had been in my entire, like I was more healthy then than I had ever been. And I remember when she was like, oh my gosh, we have to deliver. This is life-threatening. And, and, and my initial reaction was more like, oh my gosh, I have a meeting. I have a dinner reservation. I have all these things. Oh Cause I just, because <laughs> I didn't crazy? know the severity. I had no idea the severity of it. And it wasn't until I'm like panicked trying to get, like, she was literally like, you have to leave the office and go to the hospital right now. And then as I started reading and literally in the room next to me, there was a mom who was coding because she literally coded from preeclampsia. And even when I got out of the hospital and they brought in, like when I was delivering, you know, you have a birth plan and especially me, I had a 20 page birth plan and that was out the window. (laughs) And all these doctors, you know, came rushing in. There was over 20 people in the delivering room and I blessings like came out of that. And then that Sunday, my blood pressure spiked so much and nobody told me that I needed to prepare for what was going to come afterwards. And so I had to be rushed back to the hospital. I'm on EKGs. I'm on all these things. And it's astounding. It is astounding to me. Like the, the, the lack of real information that is shared with the mother. I'm a huge advocate for just the underdog in, in yes. most scenarios. <laughs> just like, this, this is an abomination. We can't make this happen. Yes. Like, what do we do? Right. And so yes. I'm ready. Right. <laughs> Norma Ray. I'm ready. So, like, <laughs> so, um, so, so that was also, again, like what was really speaking to me is like, okay, we, we need to, we get to really be advocates in this space and help the the advocacy that's already happening in this space. And in particular, really shine the light on the fourth trimester. That's why we launched the campaign to get the term even to be put yes. in a dictionary because it's not in a dictionary, which again, you're just like, well, how could women even describe what they're going through if, if the, the spaces where words are, th- these words don't even exist but only the doctors and everybody else in the medical field know it. But the average, again, the average woman that, and who is, who will be the person that's going to impact? They're not aware that this is, this is what this time yes. period is. And so glad that Miriam, Miriam Webster, you know, recognized that and yes. added it 10 days afterwards, you know, so we're still on the the hunt to, you know, to, uh, to get the other dictionaries to add it to, you know, to add the term. And so that it becomes recognized because we want, I want every mother, every woman that was about to have a baby to know, to ask the question, what else should I know about my fourth trimester? So that they have yes. verbiage, they have language, they're very clear on, um, on what, what that time period means. It's not just first, second, and third, right? And so super excited that Glossier, you know, saw us and saw the, the vision, um, and, and wanted to be a part of the growth of, of this company. It's been a beautiful journey. Fourth phase was completely unexpected. I, you know, um, but I am one of those people who's like, if the door, a window opens and it, and it feels right, and, you know, I'll step through it. And again, it pulled me. So I knew that spiritually I was supposed to be doing this. Right. Yes. And, um, and I, and I learned how to, you know, to, to surrender 
you know, to that and not surrender as, as if I'm, I'm being, you know, held at gunpoint, but to like open myself. It's like, okay, if, if I'm, I'm being led to go this way, then, then go this way and trust okay. that and trust yes. that. And it, and it, and it evolved organically um, that we were able to connect it with the not, you know, uh, the homeless women in the, in the U S which is a part of, you know, what I was doing already. Um, and then be able, I was like, wow, this really is now touching all of the, the, all of my little bells here because yes. it's all the whistles are getting to be blown with this because then when we started developing the products, then I was able to bring my knowledge about, around um, essential oils and the healing oils that really work for skin, skin repair and all those things. And of course, as a beauty, former beauty editor, um, you know, then I, then I did the design, I did all the designs for the packaging. Um, and so it's like, it literally yes. tapped in every, every, every area, aspect. every <laughs> single aspect. It wrote all the copy. It did all oh, that stuff. Yes. So, um, and so, you know, Nana and I would work with the formulation and I was like, yeah, use this oil, this oil, and this oil and then she tested and we you know go over that um you know for the body butters and and the the ones that were specific for um you know um healing the the breasts and the nipples dry crack nipples and and the uh, the perineal area so yeah so it's been it's really fun it was been it was just a lot of fun to just work on it and every day we were on the phone hours and you know zoom calls and or or yes. google chats and and whatsapp <laughs> and because she lives in new jersey and i was in arizona so we hadn't seen each other mm. in like two years <laughs> wow oh my gosh the, the real covid baby <laughs> the real covid yeah this is a real yes. because it, it we grew it we we launched it and and developed it during the pandemic and so it launched wow. in march of this year so so, and so the other part was like, when we yeah. won the glossy, I was like, Nana, we need, really need to like, take a moment and say, good job girls. Cause we launched in March yeah. and the other brands, um, had been around for, for, you know, a number of years. So I'm mm -hmm. like, yo, we, we really, you know, we did it. Congratulate <laughs> yourself. You're like, yeah, congratulations. So, so it's like, we need to take yeah. a moment and just like bask yes. in this, that, that this happened. So we're excited. Um, you know, and I just say like, you know, you, you just stay open. You're not swimming, you know, against stream. You're literally, as they say, walking in the flow of, flow. of, of, just, of just grace, you know, yes. um, and, and staying in the presence of that. So walking that, in the that's flow what it works. Yeah. Well, I am, I mean, I could talk to you for so long. I, I'm so happy about what you're building. It's so necessary. The education piece, I just, it's an honor. It's an honor to to be part of your tribe and your circle and to support what you're doing. And I know we, I signed the petition. So we'll make sure that we include that for our listeners yeah. to get hashtag at fourth trimester to the dictionary. Yeah. So Marcia, I thank you. And to close the show, we always ask for what's a brand that you're checking out. Um, we have fourth phase. And then if there's other brands that you want to share with our listeners. Absolutely. Like I, I love, you know, I had really loved the discovery of this space too, and, and discovering like the other brands that are in it. So I'm going to give a shout out to Milky Mama. They do uh, snacks, um, mm -hmm. you know, for, for lactation, um, you know, discovery. We do a tea, we don't do other foods, but they do snack bars and everything and, and uh, black women owned. So, um, you know, shout out for them. Um most recently, um, and so during the pandemic, 
um, I really made like a, a, a solid mission to like, it's like, okay, I'm going to get these brands <laughs> that I haven't tried. And I'm so, and I'm so excited about all the beauty brands that have been founded by women of color that again, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, they just didn't not exist. The internet is yes. the best. And so, um, so the, so not not a woman, but I love his brand, AJ Crimson. Um, and so I love AJ Crimson yes. Beauty. I love his lipsticks. He does great care and just the, you know, the quality of the packaging are around his products are really beautiful. Um, most yes. recently, they're not black owned, but I'm going to give a shout out because the brand is called Melly. And um, okay. it's a skincare line under Unilever. And, um, oh, and, my yes, friend is the, yes. and my friend is the brand manager. But I love that they, they're two droppers. So there's this no shade. So it's an oil-based sunscreen. I love, I absolutely love it, especially being in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I love Yeah, I, I have it. It is so right? good. They sent Isn't it to it me. It's great? amazing. So, yes. Yeah, because you, it snaps, click. And then you, you know, and opens up and then, so it makes it really easy to, to manage. And then they have the even dark spot control serum, which is great. I love Good Beauty, which is created by another, uh, a former uh, marketing professional in beauty. So I love that people are doing, I love her, her, her um, skin wash and, and also the serum. I also actually really, I love um, when I've, I've had the lovely pleasure of uh, utilizing it, which is Thai, uh, poop. Brown Girl Jane. Brown Girl Jane. Yes. Brown Girl Jane. So I I love the serum. So I love the facial serum. And so I think that's been leading to. Yes. Oh, the glow. I love the glow. My 50 plus face. So. Yes. 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 So it's been yes. helping again, again in the, in the in the Arizona heat, and so that's been awesome. And so yes, yeah, so I'll definitely give a shout. Out. So I'm really proud of her and um, and her co-founders and all that they've been doing in that in that well of the space for CBD products and stuff. So and and in presenting all the different things all around it. So I love Lamique, um, and um, and Lamique Beauty, and so she has this great eyebrow product that helps you to trace your eyebrows and and um, and to create the perfect brow. And so her eyebrow kit, I really love. And oh, my ultimate favorite, which makes me want to put on makeup just so I could take makeup off is Lauren Napier's. <laughs> Napier's um, <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Love. Fans are the best wipes ever. Ever. Love the best Lauren. wipes yes. ever. I literally, it's like a little spa in a, in a little bag, right? Yes. Packaging, gorgeous packaging. Yes. The cucumber smell. I just love it. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. And I'm so excited for her. Well, that's so, an yeah. excellent list. Thank you so much again, Marcia. So many gems and jewels shared. And we should all make sure that we sign the petition hashtag the fourth trimester. So thank you so much. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out and thank you so much, Marcia. This week, make sure to check out at Milky Mama LLC. That's at Milky Mama LLC. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest, and that is how will you congratulate yourself today? We get so caught up in the work and doing the work and doing the work and doing the work that we oftentimes forget to congratulate ourselves. So in the words of Marcia, congratulate yourself today. And with that, 
Follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and your ratings and reviews mean so much to us. Leave a five-star rating, leave a review, and we'll see you next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, assistant producer Jenny Salk, associate producer Ariel Mancibo, executive producer Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, edited by Fishmar Creative, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast, And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.